What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast, Ballsy. You know, there are other podcasts from the Dallas Morning News, but none nearly as good as this one. Not, and especially when we talk NFL with, with our guest today. Who is? Who, do, who is our guest today? Our guest today is Gary Myers, an alum of Sports Day. Uh, he's one of the guys who helped make Sports Day great. He deserted us quickly after doing so but but he is one of the well, guys let's ask him a question gary who is most responsible which writer in the history of sports day is most responsible for making sports day great you mean after me who comes <laughs> oh my god i knew that was coming oh <laughs> uh, oh man gary let's let's talk a little uh of, of your your new your new loves is the university of michigan correct that's correct. Football, because your son just graduated from the University of Michigan, so that turned you into a big uh, Wolverine fan. Did you get a chance to watch any of the uh, Michigan games, football games this year? Well, actually, I um, I watched the whole season because I was really hoping that that they would win the Big Ten and go on and be in the playoffs. I mean, they had a really good team, and so I did watch every every game this year. And I know that the Cowboys drafted two Wolverines and Taco Jordan Lewis, and I think they're both going to be excellent NFL players, and um, Charlton especially, I think, will have an immediate impact on the pass rush. Now, the the book on Charlton so far has been that he's a big, powerful guy, but maybe not the great burst off the edge to be a premium edge rusher. What do you, what do you say about that? Well, w- watching him at, you know, in college and then trying to project you know, into the NFL is always a difficult thing because obviously the the quality of play goes up. But I mean, I think I saw enough of him in uh, in college and especially last year when he was a full time player. Um, I, I just I think he's going to be a good pass rusher. I mean, it's it's impossible to tell until and you can't even tell by the preseason because um, look how many doubts people still had about Dak Prescott after he was the best player in the NFL in the preseason, and people doubted whether he can do it in the regular season. So, you know, despite, regardless of what happens in the preseason or training camp, um, I, I don't think you can necessarily say, okay, that's how it's going to be. Uh, I, I think this is a guy who um, is just kind of breaking through as a really good player. And um, a lot of these Michigan players really benefited by having Jim Harbaugh as the coach the last two years. You know, they had, I think it was 11 or 12 players drafted, which was the most uh, of any school in the country, and, and none of them were, were Harbaugh players because he inherited uh, the guys who just got went into the draft. But having Harbaugh then and teaching him, teaching these players what it's like to, 
you know, being a pro system and 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 all the other things that go with making in the NFL, I think really benefited players like a Taco Charlton and a Jordan Lewis. Um, that in turn will benefit the Cowboys. And with you know, Jordan Lewis, he didn't have a very good Orange Bowl um, against Florida State, but um, during the regular season, I thought. Um, I thought he was a potential first-round pick. I mean, he's a really good cover guy, and I was at the game against Wisconsin. He made an interception on the, the last series of the game to um, to clinch the game for, for Michigan. He made an unbelievably acrobatic one-handed interception in the middle of the field that just shows his really good ball skills. And, um, I mean, he might be like the dark horse candidate of, of the Cowboy rookies uh, to really turn into a great player. Now, the the Cowboys pretty much dumped their entire secondary, with the exception of Byron Jones. Um, and and I, I think, you know, there was some speculation that, yeah, they might have one or two of these guys back if they can get them for the right price, but they didn't do that. And they went out and drafted uh, several um, DBs. Uh, what is this, from from the outside, what does that look like to you, the fact that they are going to turn over so much of their secondary? Well, it's not, Kevin, it's not like they had a real like, shutdown secondary to begin with. I thought it was, you know, one of the weak points of the team. And, um, you know, Brandon Carr never lived up to his contract. Uh, I see that Des Bryant is now trying to recruit Darrell Rivas. What do you think about that? Um, what do you think about that, Gary? Well, I don't think he needs to recruit him. I think all the Cowboys have to do is make a play. He doesn't have to be convinced. <laughs> because Rivas hasn't had any offers that I'm aware of. I think he'd be happy to to sign with the Cowboys, especially because, you know, going into the season, at least it looks like they have a chance to be a Super Bowl team. But, from, Barry, from what I saw of Rivas last year, um, I don't know. I mean, his skills just deteriorated so much last year. And then when the Jets started losing early in the season, it looks like it looked to me like he just lost interest and was playing not to get hurt. The thing about Rivas um, – that I think has made the biggest difference in his career was not necessarily the ACL injury that he had in 2013, but he, he needed wrist surgery um, le- before last season. And Rebus is one of those guys who's always a very physical player at the line of scrimmage, where because he's not real fast, so he would tie up a guy at the line and not let him get off to like, get much momentum coming off the line, and then he'd be able to run with him. But because he had a change of style of play because of his wrist injury. He wasn't able to be that physical at the line anymore, which means he'd play back and give a cushion, and then a lot of these guys would just run right past him because they were getting, you know, uh, no, no, uh, I mean, he wasn't providing any resistance at the line, so they'd get off to a running start, and then he couldn't run with him. And he got beat a lot last year deep. So, I would say a lot depends on what the status is, is with his wrist and whether he can get back to being that physical player uh, a year removed from, from the surgery. But I think getting in a winning program uh, would be really beneficial to him, and certainly Dallas is like that. And um, um, I think he can't possibly be as bad as he was last year, and um, it can potentially be a no-risk contract for the Cowboys because the Jets owe him $6 million guaranteed. Um, for this year, so unless the the Cowboys 
pay him over six million dollars, which they won't. Uh, the Jets have to make any up any difference between whatever he signs for and the six million, so they can get away with a, a very little, a very small investment. What kind of locker room guy would he be? I think he was always fine in the locker room. I mean, he, you know, earlier in his career, he he was a little more outspoken because um, he, he had so much confidence. But it, it, he wasn't a bad locker room guy. I mean, he would be outspoken in talking about other teams. But he was a good teammate, and that, which I think obviously is really important. And um, I think he'd be fine if the Cowboys showed any interest in him. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but um, I think he's the kind of player that would come in there with a chip on his shoulder because um, um, he played so poorly last year and wants to. He doesn't want to go out like that. I'm sure. So I, I think he'd be really motivated to have a great season, but, whether physically he can still do it, I'm not sure. That's the kind of gamble that uh, general manager Jerry likes to make, though. It's, it's, uh, not anymore. Not anymore? He's, no. He, no you, he's th- you think spending. Will McClay, you really think Will McClay can talk Jerry off the ledge? No, no. I, I think what's happened is that Steven has talked Jerry off, and Steven has said to him, you know what, yeah. that's a lot of money we don't want to spend. Oh, it. they don't have to spend a lot of money, Gary. Uh, no. we, pay attention. Yeah, if, if, the, if, the, um, if the veteran minimum is a million dollars, which I think it is, and that, and he agrees to do that with with the Cowboys, and the, the Jets have to make up the other five million. So you're getting a potential Hall of Fame player with a lot to prove who will be extremely motivated uh, for a million dollars. And um, if you cut him before the season starts, you don't owe him anything. That all the burden goes back to uh, to the Jets. So um, I, I think it's almost like. A, a no lose situation for the Cowboys if they're looking to add a veteran corner. There's, you know, there's not much talent out there right now. I mean, we saw what happened. You know, Jeremy Macklin and, and Eric Decker, two really good players, got cut in the last two weeks. Um, that doesn't happen so much anymore. And uh, if you got a chance to get a potential Hall of Famer in a, in a deep position, who's going to be really motivated? That I would take a chance on that. Uh, yeah, you would, and I would, and Barry would. Uh, I just, I, I don't have the sense anymore that the Cowboys want to shop outside at all. I mean, I, I, it seems to me that they have decided this is what we're going to do, and we let, and we let all those guys go. Which you know, it was probably mm-hmm. a reasonable thought. But my 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 biggest concern for that secondary would be uh, because would be that now that Byron Jones and Orlando Skandrick are the old men of it. And 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 Orlando Skandrick has not been a real team first kind of guy. He's been more of a me first kind of guy. And uh, and so I, I, I oh, like Barry Horn, right? Yes, he is very much so. Uh, and you know they, they I've brought, always liked Orlando Skandrick. <laughs> yeah, they, they brought in Nolan Carroll, and he got a DWI. And and so uh, you know they could they could certainly use that kind of uh, experience and expertise uh, if he's got anything left. I just I just have a feeling that that uh, that they're trying to to do this now. We're we're going to get our own guys, and we're going to build with our own guys, and we're not going to take in any of these guys from the outside. I don't well, know. That's just I, I think that's always a preferable way to do it. But um, I'm not sure it's realistic to just have your own players. You definitely want your your core and your foundation to be how the Cowboys are doing it, you know, with with Dak and and Zeke and and, and Des Bryant and the offensive line. That that is the way to do it. But a lot of times you do have to fill in some holes by going outside. And I guarantee you that Darrell Rivas right now is a better player 
than Nolan Carroll. And yeah, I'd bet you know, that I was making the personal decisions. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, I would rather have him than Carroll for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. That you know, a, a, a guy who was compared to Deion Sanders or being called the best cover corner since Deion Sanders earlier in his career, and probably like for the first seven, eight years of his career. And now all of a sudden people saying he's washed up. You get a guy like that on a team like the Cowboys where he can, you know, fill in a big hole and be a missing piece in the secondary. Uh, it's not, it wouldn't ta- Let's put it this way. It wouldn't take Jason Garrett and those guys very long to find out whether Durrell had anything left. I mean, we haven't seen him the whole offseason. I have to imagine he's working out really hard because uh, I know he still wants to play. Um, I, I Just based on his track record, I'd much rather have him and make an investment in him than in Nolan Carroll. Yeah, me too. All right, now, uh, Gary, let's ask you about uh, who you think in the NFC East had the best offseason. Well, I like some of the things that the Eagles did offensively. Uh, with Garrett Blunt, you know, he, he's just a bulldozer at running back. And for whatever reason, the Patriots kept devaluing him every time he became a free agent. And he was invaluable to them in winning two Super Bowls in the last three years. So I really like that. You know, plus they signed um, Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith to give Carson Wentz some more experience at wide receiver. I think he could be a really good player from what I saw him in person last year, Carson Wentz. So I think the Eagles helped themselves. Um, you know, the Giants helped themselves in, in getting Brandon Marshall, who will take uh, some attention away from Odell Beckham in terms of uh, the defense is completely rolling everything towards towards Beckham. Eli really didn't have anybody to throw to last year besides Beckham. You know, Stoney Shepard was you know uh, a productive rookie, but he was just a rookie. And um, Victor Cruz was pretty invisible, and they didn't have any tight ends. So I think having Brandon Marshall will really help. Uh, and then they drafted Evan Ingram, who will be a, a pass-catching tight end that, that, they, that they've lacked for most of Manning's years. So I, I think the Giants helped themselves, you know, that way. So I think those two teams, you know, you know Washington, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember their free agent signings, but um, well, you know, Kirk Cousins is, is one of the better quarterbacks now in the league. I wasn't a believer in him uh, early in his career, but I think he's a really good player. Well, let me ask you about what is going on with Odell Beckham Jr.? He's, well, he's just a diva. I mean, he's one of those prima donna receivers that uh, isn't happy unless everybody's talking about him. And uh, he just does dumb things off the field to draw attention to himself. And then, you know, he stayed away from the from the OTAs. Um, all indications are he's at minicamp now. Um, and he wants a new contract after playing three years, which is, you know, probably a year earlier than the Giants intend to give him a deal. They probably want him to play four years. And the Giants you know, pretty much mandated that he grow up in the offseason. Jerry Reese said that uh, the day after the season ended when Beckham had that terrible playoff game in Green Bay and then punched a hole in the wall outside the locker room in Lambeau Field. Um, I will say this. He is an incredible talent. Just, he is unstoppable. But he's been such a knucklehead for three years that you really wonder how much if he's going to be able to just focus on, on just playing football. 
and, and leaving all this other nonsense beside, to the side, like taking a boat trip in Miami a week before a playoff game and bringing three of his teammates with him. And, he, did he go and, to Mexico? You know, he didn't go to Mexico, Cabo. did he? Cabo? No, no, he didn't go to Cabo. Um, he, went to, he went to Miami. This is, this is what they did. Giants played in Washington uh, the last game of the season. So they finish up around 4 o'clock, take a train to Newark, because that's how the Giants travel to the Washington area now. They go by train. Then they take a, a Beckham and, and Cruz and Roger Lewis and Shepard uh, take a, a car service, I believe. And I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure they went to Teterboro Airport, which is like half hour from Newark. And they flew to Miami, got there around 1 o'clock in the morning. Beckham and Cruz, at least, partied all night with Justin Bieber. And there were reports that Johnny Manziel was in the bar also. And then in the morning, they're pictured on some yacht in Miami, still wearing the clothes that they wore leaving the locker room <laughs> after the game in Washington. So they're on this boat wearing boots and jeans and shirtless. They flew back to, to New York that night. And all we wrote about all, all week was, you know, Beckham losing his focus. What is he doing taking a vacation a week before a playoff game, the biggest game of his career? All the focus was on him. On the first series of the game, he drops a third down pass. On the next series, he drops a touchdown pass that he catches 90 out of 100. And he wound up like three catches for 28 yards, something like that. And it was the worst game of his career, and then he punched a hole in the wall. So that's our lasting image of Beckham from last season. And whether he's come back a changed person or not, we don't know because we haven't seen him because he hasn't been around. You know, when, you, when you've got a guy like that, um, let's say you're the GM of the Giants. Mm-hmm. Do you give him a, a, a big new contract, or do you say, you know, it's just too much trouble? I give him a contract, but I don't do it now. I want to see more. I, I want to see that that he gets it, that he's just not worried about his Nike contract that's paying him $6 million a year and, and, and going to – he toured Europe with Drake, and he went to the Final Four, and he was at an at a NBA final game in Oakland, and then he was at one in Cleveland. Uh, I, I want to see more – from him that he's grown up. Now, he is an extremely hard worker, and he wants to win more than anybody in that locker room, and he's incredibly competitive. So all those things about him, the Giants love. It's just the other stuff that's driving them crazy. So before I would invest a $50 million signing bonus in him, I mean a guaranteed money in him, I want to see him for another year. He's only 23, 24 years old. Um, they're not obligated do anything. Most of these first-round picks do not get new contracts after three years. It's after four years, or they get the fifth-year option picked up. Um, to give them a new contract after three years, I wouldn't do it. They're not obligated to do it. And let them whine a little bit. It's, it'd probably be humbling for them for someone to finally say no to him. You know, the uh, the Cowboys uh, waited on Des Bryant to grow up a little bit, and, and he did. Uh, and, and I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking back now and wondering when a guy has had issues and problems, how many times has that guy put it all together and um, and then gone on to be well, a productive Kevin, player? You know what I want to say? He hasn't had the kind of issues that like worry you that you could get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning, uh-huh. you know, from some police station. He hasn't gotten in trouble off the field at all. I mean, he comes from a really good family um, where his parents had great influence on him. He went to the same high school that Eli went to in New Orleans. Um, he's a good guy, and he's a smart guy. So he hasn't gotten himself in trouble 
you know, with uh, getting arrested or drugs or anything like that. So the Giants aren't worried about him in that regard. It's just some of the childish things that he does on the field, getting into the fight with Josh Norman, throwing temper tantrums, you know, during the game, after the game, that kind of stuff. They, they want to see a change in his behavior, you know, that way. But it, it's, a, it's a fine line there because they don't want to take away his competitiveness because that's one of his greatest strengths. So if you try to tone down his act on the field, you're taking away what he does best. I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. Gary, give us your one, two, three, four for the NFC East in 2017. Who, who wins the NFC East? Um, I don't want to sound like a homer because I think you guys know from working with me that I'm not. Um, but I, I really think that um, the Giants have the best all-around team in the division now because they've added some firepower on offense. They really struggled to score last year. Even as their defense, which had been the weakness, you know, for the last two, three years before 2016, the defense was fixed in, in one $200 million spending spree in the offseason last year. Um, so I'm assuming that Brandon Marshall's going to have a big impact. Evan Ingram, the first round pick, the tight end's going to have a big impact. And they're going to protect Eli a little bit better. Um, so I would say right now, and this is subject to change after we see what happens this summer. Uh, you know, with injuries and things of that nature. But I would go uh, probably Giants, Cowboys, uh, Redskins, Eagles, um, with the asterisk there that I think the division is really close and that uh, probably any team, I think, other than the Eagles, could win it. Any one of those three teams, uh, Giants, Cowboys, or Redskins, could win it. Are you a Dak, a believer in Dak? Do you think Dak could come back and... and have a season like he had last se- his rookie year, or imp- even improve on it? Or if he doesn't have, if he, if he comes back and just has a regular season, a normal season, you think people will be all over him? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he set the bar pretty high in his rookie year. Um, obviously ex- exceeded expectations of the fans and, and the team. So it's going to be hard for him to duplicate that his second year, especially with defensive coordinators having the entire offseason to study tape and and try to figure him out a little bit. You know, he, he, he was so dangerous running the ball last year, and he threw it much better than, than I thought that he could. But you give these defensive coordinators an entire offseason to come figure guys out, and, and they can usually take away some of their strengths. You know, but that being said, having a 1,500-yard rusher behind them and a 1,000-yard receiver to throw the ball to and a Hall of Fame tight end and a pretty good second receiver there and and some of those other guys that they have, um, I, I don't really see any reason that he's going to have a big drop-off because the supporting cast around him is so good. And, and that is what other teams, uh, especially in the East, uh, respect most about the Cowboys is the offense. I would I would assume they they think that this is uh, there's no reason to think there'll be a huge drop off because it is a, a run based offense and because uh, we know they can do that. Uh, that Dak just has to be able to to kind of uh, steady everything and 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 make a, a a little bit of an improvement this year. And I would expect that he could and would. Um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that it's the defense that everybody's still going to question. Uh, you know. I can't remember who it was who said uh, on uh, on television last year that uh, that the Cowboys secondary was garbage. 
This was before they could have been anybody before they took out the garbage. Uh, <laughs> could, 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 it could have been anybody, not not to be disrespectful. Yeah, but that was, but that's yeah. you know, that's generally to speak. So if, if the Cowboys could, uh, if they are indeed upgrading their defense, I guess my question is, how much do you think they could improve on defense with all these rookies? Well, I mean that's hard to say. Um, there's some guys that can come in and hit the ground running, and and some of them that just take a half season to really. Uh, get it together. I mean, I think the, the key to the defense is really making sure that Sean Lee has another injury-free season because, you know, he, he kind of holds everything together. There. I mean, that's not breaking news or anything like that. But, you know, when he's on the field, the Cowboys' defense just seems to, you know, be a lot better. Um, I know David Irving came on strong towards the end of last year. Uh, he's had some issues, though, right? Yeah. David Irving? Yes, he, he has. has. Yes, he has. He'll be, he'll be out the first four, four games. games. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys seem to be really good at getting players suspended. Yes, they are. Do they lead the league in that category? Lead the league in suspensions? I don't know. They might have passed Cincinnati. Uh, oh, my Cincinnati gosh. For, you, know, you don't want to be you know, beating Cincinnati, Cincinnati in that. They, they were untouchable in that regard. Yeah, yes, they were. <laughs> so we, we hadn't even talked about Jalen Smith. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever mm. known of an NFL player who had drop foot? Which is the worst sounding thing ever? No, never. Yeah, there've no. been a, there've been a couple of cases uh, where where players had it. Uh, there was a running back in I think in New England, and uh, I'm trying to remember where the other one was. But they were. Oh, I know you're talking about Robert Edwards. Robert right? Edwards, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, he, he's the one that got hurt playing um, on, on a, a beach pro ball. Like, yeah. Like, he was on the, beach volleyball or something like yes, that. Yes, he was. Sponsored event, he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, th- they're not happy endings uh, in the couple of times right. that this kind of thing has happened. Uh, what, is your, what is your feeling about what is going to happen with him and, and what is the reaction around the NFL? Well, you know, first of all, Kevin, it's a sad story because the guy was going to be a high first-round pick if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of his last year. Um, I know from just what I've read, you know, what a – severe injury it was and it's it's so hard to come back from i think anything the cowboys get out of him this year would be considered a bonus uh whether he can ever get back to the level that he was in college will take i don't want to say a miracle but you know certainly defying the odds um everything i've heard out of the you know the cowboys camp in, in the off season has been very positive about the progress that he's making but you know they're just kind of running around in shorts now and right. we don't really know anything. So, you know, so he has to get on the field and, and, and chase, you know, uh, a running back to the sidelines and make the tackle that way or if they try to blitz him or cover a back out of the back. Until we see any of that stuff, you never, you never really know because this time of the year really doesn't tell you anything. I just want to take you back uh – uh, to the are you, are, wait, hold on a minute. Are you leaving the Jalen Smith discussion? Yeah. Now? Okay. Go oh, ahead. Finish oh, it. Finish wow. it. No, no. But here's you know, the, the, the here's the courtesy is that you allow a reporter. Go ahead. Ask another ask another question that he doesn't have the answer to. Ask another question that nobody well, has the answer to. Listen to you guys. Uh, no, no, no. Ask. Kevin down to Dallas to referee this. Kevin is infatuated by Jalen Smith. Well, no, everybody is down here. Everybody thinks that. Here, here's my my question for you, Gary. It seems to me. 
that the Cowboys have been influenced not only by the or tantalized by the the talent, but what a great kid he is. I mean, that's right. what yeah. everybody keeps talking about. Is that oh my gosh, he's just such a great kid and such a hard worker and so positive. If he were not all these things, I'm not sure that the Cowboys would be this infatuated with him and and, and be and well, try I mean, to be this positive about it. Yeah, but just gave some pretty good reasons why they should be infatuated with him. Like he's a good kid and a hard worker. I mean, it's impossible to come back from this injury unless you're a hard worker. Right. So th- that that's a good reason for being infatuated with him is that you know he's putting in the time and the effort to try to get better. Didn't didn't the cowboy doctor? Isn't he the guy that did yes, the surgery? Yes, he did yeah. surgery. Dr. Yeah. Cooper, Dr. Yeah. Cooper did right. Surgery. But they had a lot of inside information on on him and how long you know it potentially could take for him to recover. So um, unless that plan that they you know the timetable that they were looking at when they drafted him, unless that's been, you know, thrown off the tracks by anything that's happened since then, then you have to figure they knew more than just about anybody about his potential. Again, he, he was a great player in college. Uh, a lot of great players in college or even early in their careers in the NFL suffer debilitating injuries and are never the same. We don't know yet about him, like I said, because he hasn't been on the field, but he certainly has a lot to overcome to come close to even what he was in college. All right, Barry, did you have something to ask? I, I did. Are you, are you done on the, yeah, the Jalen Smith cross-examination? Go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> G- Gary, uh, I, I think the last time we talked to you was before the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, you have a vote for uh, the Hall of Fame ballot. Did you wind up right. vote, voting for Jerry Jones? You're asking me to reveal my private ballot? <laughs> okay, because I think I know— and By the way, who did you vote for for president? Yeah. I, I didn't vote for the president. Do you know? Do you know? Gary lives right down meaning, the street. Meaning, I didn't vote. Who, I voted for president, but I didn't vote for. I, I, I visited Gary uh, in, in his Westchester palatial at his Westchester estate. palatial estate, and he lives right down the street from the Clintons in Chappaqua. Really? Don't you, Gary? Uh, they live about a mile from me. In fact, Kevin, when Barry was here, um, whenever your last trip was that I saw you here, Barry, I can't remember what month that was, but it's over uh, the summer. Uh, Kevin, you'll be happy to know I took Barry to my favorite pizza place for lunch. You did? Wow. And then I said, would you like to see where the Clintons live? Which, they live about a mile from me, so we, we drove past their house. They were not there because the Chappaqua police, they live in a cul-de-sac, and when they're in town, this, the police sit at the end of the cul-de-sac. And because there was no police cars there, I was able to drive on the cul-de-sac and actually get Barry as close as the front gate to the Clinton's house. You know, Barry tried to go over the gate. You know, Kevin does that. Kevin lives right down the street from George Bush. Well, not down the street. Well, but it's a... It's, it's, He's down the street from our elementary school. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty... Same, same deal. Same, he lives similar, at the end of a uh, cul-de-sac, and they have cops that are... or Secret Service that are sitting out there all the time. So it's... Yeah. So, so Kevin can, yeah. can relate. But, okay, so are you not going to tell us if you voted for Jerry or not? No, I, I voted for Jerry. Yeah, Why? Sure did. Why? Because uh, he asked me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did ask you. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Actually, you know, I talked to Jerry a bunch. I did a big story on Jerry. We might have even talked about this um, last December before they played the Giants. And um, I was probably with him for two hours because, as you guys know, there's no such thing as a short conversation with Jerry. No. Um, and we talked about the Hall of Fame and what it would mean to him. But he knew better than to ask me to vote for him or to ask me if I was going to vote for him. Um, but I, I did vote for him. And 
you know, I thought about it. And, um, Donald Trump could learn from Jerry, I think. Our yeah. president. Yeah. In dealing with his... Uh, in, with his Constituents? Uh, no, with his FBI. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I, I voted for him because uh, I think he's had a tremendous impact on the way the league does business. And... There's I mean, no question say, about okay, that. okay, he's made rich guys richer. And does that really matter? Well, he's also helped make the players a lot richer because... Uh, of all the different, uh, you know, TV contracts and the marketing and stuff like that, you know, the players get half of it. So he's made a, and the salary cap goes up as a result. So he's helped the players in that regard. And I, I think he's been a, you know, a positive influence on, um, on, on a lot of these committees that he's been on. And, and let's not forget, even though it's been a long time, that he took an organization that was losing a lot of money and wasn't very successful at the end of, the Landry Schramm era, and won, you know, three Super Bowls uh, in in the first, um, what, seven years, was it? Um, and, and, and has made the Cowboys relevant again following an era where they had become irrelevant. I mean, they were, one, they were three and 13 in the last year. Now, discounting the one and 15 season in, in their first year, they, you know, the Cowboys have been a team that people, you know, paid attention to, you know, for the last, 27, 28 years since he's been the owner. And I, I think, I always think it's good for the league if teams like the Cowboys and, and the Giants and the Bears, and now that the Rams are back in L.A., um, if, the, if the major market teams and the really high-profile teams are, are competitive, I always think that's good for the league. And that team in New England's got to be pretty good, too, in Boston. Yeah, I mean, you could make a, you could have made a case like why Jerry and not Robert Kraft in the Hall of Fame. And, um I think that, you know, Jerry's been in the league about four or five years longer. and um, But I, I think their impact has been about the same. And they battled the league about the same. You know, when, when Jerry was battling over the marketing stuff um, early on and, and that craft involved, you know, with Spygate and Deflategate and all this other stuff. Uh, but I think their, their positive influence on the league has been very similar, and I would expect Kraft to, to get in. Um, but here's the thing, Barry. I think the league would be fine if if, if the Patriots went backwards. Um, I, I don't think they're one of those franchises that the league needs to be good in order to, you know, be really healthy. Um, Interesting. Uh, that's just you know, I, I, I because for a long period of time, you know, the Patriots were horrible, and, and the league would just kept growing and growing. And I actually think that once this you know, Brady, if he ever slips a little bit or uh, and they start going backwards, I think that the, the, the Patriots will become a much more attractive team for fans to follow because they have become a team that other outside of New England that everybody hates. Well, that's a good thing for the NFL because the people say the Cowboys are so popular on TV because half the people are watching are rooting for them. The other half of the people watching are rooting against them. So that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And I th- I think more people hate the Patriots than hate the Cowboys. There are many more Cowboy fans around the country than Patriots fans. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's more fans, but I don't know about the hate. I, I think that there are there. Well, that maybe there's more. Maybe there's just as much hate now because of Tom Brady. And well, Kevin, if you remember, when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco two years ago, and they introduced it was the 50th Super Bowl. And they introduced all the Super Bowl MVPs, all the living MVPs who were, were at the game. Tom Brady grew up at like a half hour from Santa Clara in, in San Mateo. 
he got introduced before the game, he was the only player who got booed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the that's right. One. I'm sure that's right. Yeah, that, that's so, the that's the the feeling about uh, the Patriots is the, is the the hate for that and the hate for uh, hating on Belichick and a little bit of that. But there's just more of a deep seated um, traditional hate for the Cowboys uh, because that just goes that goes back a long ways. With America, no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, no question. I think that the Patriots only become hated, uh, you know, probably since 2007 when the whole Spygate thing came up. I, I think that just turned a lot of people off. Yeah. Gary, it's been great having you on, as always. I can't believe it was since the Super Bowl the last time we had you on. We had to make this rotation a lot quicker. Yes. I would be, and the way you guys pay for me to be on, I, I need you to call me more often. <laughs> oh, uh, you well, know, you know, it's between you and Adam Schefter. You know, we we didn't we haven't even uh, you know Sean Bass, who really is the ringmaster here, has walked in, and uh, if he were here, if if he were on, he is here. But if he was here, he'd he'd be telling everybody who you were every five minutes, which we we which we didn't we never do. No, we, so Gary Myers, uh, Sports Day alum. You know, on, on let me ask you this, Gary, author. When you when you on your obit in your obit, oh my god! Well, the first thing say, oh, wow. well, the first thing say, former uh, sports day NFL writer Gary Myers has passed on at at one hundred and six. Well, if I don't, have, if we can put it not in such at one hundred and six, that would be nice. Um, let's just not put it in morbid terms. Let me put it to you this way: when anybody ever asks me what the most meaningful time of my career was and where I had the most fun, where I learned the most and where I made the best friends. I always say the Dallas morning news has that. How about that? How about that? Uh, that's, let's, let's, let's put that on our masthead. Let's put that on our masthead and let's get off. Let's leave. Let's leave with, uh, <laughs> with that. Let's exit that, with that, that posi- On that positive note. That is a very positive note. Gary. We feel the same way, Gary. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Oh. We'll have you uh, and you know, time. by the way, we have another Sports Day alumnus on to talk NBA and uh, Mavericks, Mitch Lawrence. Pretty much everybody's a Sports Day alumnus. Yeah, everybody in, in journalism in America <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah. But anyway, uh, do you, any messages for Mitch? Uh, no, he just got a tough act to follow now. If he's following <laughs> That's true. <Wow. laughs> That's true. Hey, All listen, right. I, I just want to say, I'm always proud to say I'm a Sports Day alum. Uh, we had the greatest sports section in the country during that period of time. Not that it's not a very good sport. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it was, I think you'd all agree, it was very special back then. The, the turning point, I believe, you'll note, is the day you left. Yeah. It's, 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 it all started. Well, I mean, I didn't want to say that, Barry, but you want to, that's okay. But the, the day, the day that, that you left to go back to New York, to HBO, and to New York Daily News, uh, that was the... Uh, yeah. I like how the, the thing that you left out of that was getting married at the same time. You, even, you put my jobs ahead of getting married in the, in the list of being important. Well, you got married. You have three beautiful children. Two are Big Ten alums. One is a Wash U alum in, in uh, St. Louis. You have a lot to be proud of. And thanks for being with us today, Gary Myers. Uh, okay. Take care, guys. Okay, bye. There he goes, Gary Myers. He's, he's very- I'll tell one, one Gary Myers story really quick. You know, back in the old days, we were sitting on the third floor, and his desk was right next to mine. The two of us sitting there, we were. He looking, stole my desk because so you had the desk that had a window. Out the window, yeah. We got the window to the sixth floor. I can see the sixth he, floor from my. Yeah, from my you desk. know, he, I came in one day. That was supposed to be my desk, and he goes, "I don't think you'll mind. I took your desk." <laughs> 
<laughs> that sounds like Gary. So I, I got to look at, at, at the closet for whatever well, three years. As well you should have. And, what, he, and, he had the, and he had the window view. Well, one day, Gary said to me, uh, Kevin, look, right back here, we've got the best NFL writer in the country and the best college writer in the country sitting right here. And I thought, well, he got the college part wrong, but but he 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 just may be right about the NFL part. He it was uh, it, those were golden days. But you know what? They we were. sound like when we talk old about men. those. We're old men. Old men. All right, and old man got to take a nap and go. We'll All talk right. to y'all later. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans. See you.